0: Welcome back to Get Outside With Kids. It's Jen and Kate back again tonight with a great guest who would like to introduce you to. Our guest is Pete Clarkson. Pete and I have been friends for many years now, actually. We first met back when I was working at the Vancouver Aquarium. And I started getting into these remote beach cleanups um, out on the west coast of Vancouver Island here in BC. And everyone started to say, oh, you've got to meet this guy, Pete. You've got to meet this guy, Pete Clarkson. He's the guy. He knows everything. And at the time, Pete was working at Parts Canada, and I connected with him in Tofino. And from there, we just... We we kind of hit it off. We are able to do some really amazing trips together, doing huge, massive cleanups on the West Coast Trail out on Vancouver Island. And got to know Pete really well and just really love the kind of vibe that he brings to everything that he's done. So we're really excited to have Pete here tonight, all all the way from coastal British Columbia out in Tofino. Um, Welcome to the show, Pete. It's great to have you here.
1: Well, it's so awesome to be here. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, it is just really cool to do this with both of you guys after having worked and having the history we had together there. And big shout out to all your podcast fans. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Pete, they all appreciate it. I bet you anything, um, some of them will know you too. Uh, and actually, the three of us all got to hang out as well when I invited Jen to be one of my volunteers on one of our remote cleanups on the West Coast Trail. Fun yeah. memories there, Jen. Right in 2014, 15, sometime around. Was then. it? Oh my gosh! When you said that date, it was like
2: it can't possibly be that long ago. Um, <laughs> but I mean, so Kate invited me out to volunteer to you know clean up what would beach, you know, garbage that had washed up on the beach. And I kid you not, this is one of the best trips I've ever been on. We spent yes. like. Two Two full days hauling all of these large plastic containers and all of this beach debris off this stunning beach. And we were blessed with amazing, amazing weather. And we spent two days working our butts off. And I think it was one of the best trips I've ever gone on. It was just spectacular to be out there and and working hard and and seeing a difference too that we were making to the beach.
0: Can't get better feedback than that. Um.
1: (laughs) So so right on. And it had nothing to do with kids. Nothing. There (laughs) there were no kids at that time. There were
0: absolutely zero children. <laughs> Sometimes it's just great to get outside without kids. <laughs> that trip would have been impossible with kids. But, Pete, I think you have such an interesting story of starting out in a job that really doesn't seem to exist anymore. Um, so, maybe mm. you can kind of give our, our listeners a little bit of an intro to your kind of starting out in Jasper mm. and the job that you had there. And tell us a little bit about what that was like, you know, in the horseback riding through the backcountry mm. of Jasper mm. and uh, how you got into that job in the first place.
1: Oh, yeah. You're bringing a tear to my eye. Just those memories, Kate. Um, Yeah, I was a park board and I started in the early uh, 80s. It was my dream job. I knew early in life that's the gig I wanted and uh, there's no easier path than knowing what you want to do and So it laid out in front of me and I did all the things I needed to do and I got on in Jasper and worked overall 35 years with Parks Canada as a warden. Uh, And so I kind of hit the golden time there really for being a park warden. We got to do everything, you know, from wildlife management to mountain rescue and coastal rescue and backcountry patrols on horseback and by boat and kayak and canoe, you know, it was was just amazing. They were paying you to do this. (laughs) (laughs) on
0: horseback as well uh, that's the one that always blows my mind tell us about where you went on horseback and what you were doing
1: just uh, riding around (laughs) (laughs) oh no we had a role we had a definite plan but uh you know you had to go with the flow every day was different and yeah it really came down to kind of what first if you could even find your horses in the morning when you got up (laughs) in the cabin. <laughs> that was like okay hold up <laughs> that now i'll figure out what i'm gonna do for the rest of the day but uh yeah no it was so there's so much i mean um, the way jasper was set out was uh was really you know initially was uh, to to travel and patrol by horseback and the trail systems went all around the boundary of the park for a way for the wardens to access that area you know during hunting season so to make sure that the hunters wouldn't uh, come into the park because you know they knew no one was there so it was really uh it was really a like, key job element of the job uh, every year so there was a lot of preparation it went into the trails and the training and the familiarity with the, the district and then um, you would be out there in the fall uh, flying the flag and riding them around the boundary and playing kind of these crazy games with the, the hunters you know to make you think they were you were everywhere jasper was such a beautiful park it's the biggest park in southern canada and it was my dream place of the dream job Cause it was so big and there was so much wildlife there and, and so many interesting, you know, elements to it and a nice community, really beautiful community. And it was everything I imagined, times <laughs> 10. <laughs> amazing so yeah i was i met my wife jen there and then uh, we you know tried hard and hard to have a family and we finally succeeded uh with in vitro so we had our kids there well, we were a bit older i was uh, jen was 40 and i was almost 40 it was good that was the time for us you know we, we were i wasn't ready before that you know there was too much <laughs> in my job are you <laughs> ever ready
0: there's too much. There's too much fun to be had out
1: in the back country. You're
0: like I'm out riding on horses, yes. I can't look after twins right now.
1: No, yeah. no, no, I did, and I did at least. I was self-aware of that enough that I was pretty <laughs> selfish about my lifestyle. <laughs>
2: so you have you have this amazing lifestyle, you know. Now you've just welcomed children into your life. So what was like the the decision to make this big jump from one amazing small town Jasper to another amazing small town Tofino, and how did that transition kind of come about?
1: Yeah, a great question, Jen. And that was. Uh, um, you know, the timing was a huge element of that because I was so happy with Jasper. Jen was so happy with Jasper. Now we had our young, three young family, you know, three young kids, twins and a, and a little girl, and then a couple of years apart. So it was like we had it all now, ready to go. And then, uh, you know, the housing scenario wasn't ideal for us there, and and uh, I couldn't see too far ahead of me of that we were ever going to resolve that. So that was the only thing that was. Uh, a bit of a, you know, thorn going, oh, man, you know, now we got a family that a housing is so important or a, a space that you were comfortable in.
0: That sounds like so, Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like everyone <laughs> and, we know, actually. <laughs> everyone's <laughs> like, can't afford yeah. a
1: single thing in yeah. the city. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this was Jasper, even in, in, in the early 80s. And Jasper was like... Uh, the way, you know, that was way ahead of that, all that, even back then, you know, mm-hmm. it was so, so expensive uh, for, for most of us to live there. So we, anyway, so a job came up on the coast and, and I had been going down to the coast to work. I was working on, did a lot of bird work actually as part of my job as well. So I was working on this waterfowl that was migrating, beautiful bird called the harlequin duck, migrating down to the coast. That's uh, every year part of the work involved coming out to the coast to study them during the winter and do a little support some other studies that were going on build my own knowledge about the species for the park uh so i was you know th- those experiences coming down we we're working a lot around hornby island and uh, on the Strait of georgia Salishy, and it was like oh this is pretty nice you know <laughs> coming down from the mountains if i could think of any other place it would be down there right and uh so, it's got to uh, be something
0: pretty spectacular to compare to Jasper, right?
1: You got it on space. We weren't going to trade trade it for very much. I got to say, we were gonna, we were pretty picky and didn't want to give it up um, unless we were really, you know, pretty confident. As luck would have it, there was a job that came up, uh, you know, at my level in Tofino uh, at Pacific Rim National Park.
2: That was it.
1: <laughs> it was, that was it. And the kids were, you know, the kids, the, the critical timing was that the kids were all you know, just you know, four and 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 newborns or one year olds, you know. So uh, it was like, yeah. Before we get them into the whole school scene and and get two more invested, you know, if we're going to move, this is the time. Now's the
0: time. Tell us about what Tofino was like then, because maybe a lot of people listening now are very familiar. Well might be familiar with Tofino as a very touristy destination. You know, like a lot of people from the mainland in Vancouver and also Victoria on the island head out to Tofino for a weekend or they come and just- totally invade your town in the summer, (laughs) triple the population or something stupid. But what was it like then? And what was it like to raise kids in? Because it really is the end of the road. There's nowhere else to drive to beyond that. You've got to go by boat if you want to kind of keep on going. So, what was that like back then? How did you raise your kids there? How did you raise your kids when they're little kids? (laughs) Our kids are three and five. And so, we're interested in this kind of phase and how people sort of deal with the challenges of um, a new place or, you know, new age and stage to sort of deal with, with the kids.
1: Those are such great questions. Uh, Certainly you guys have put more thought into this than I have. (laughs) <laughs> well, hopefully we are the hosts of the
0: show it's our job yeah, oh yeah sorry somebody's gonna plan this out
1: <laughs> <laughs> just uh, it, it just i love it because you know it does make me think and of course like every parent you know those early years are such a blur anyways right so you're kind of digging on some like oh yeah what happened then but Tofino, yeah, Tofino was magical. Um, and it was like, it reminded me a lot of Jasper in many different ways, you know, that it was, you know, so ruled by the natural environment. And um, that was the, you know, that that's what the, the how your day was defined. And uh, I loved that feeling. Loved the small town. It can be uh, it can be a bit insular. So, you, you know, the fact that uh, the tourism in Tofino and clue and out here, that for me was a real bonus um, because it did add that vibrancy and it added the ability to be a bit anonymous, um, you know, as a local, uh, certainly during the summer and you know, on. I, I like that. You know, I, I'm pretty private and I know Jen's the same. So that that was, uh, you can kind of get lost in the crowd and just be a bit of a tourist yourself. Nobody know, even knows better. So for me, that was a positive and um, I, uh didn't bother me at all. And I, I had all the coping mechanisms after, you know, spending 15 years in Jasper. So they're not, there's no sudden, no magical bullet. You know, you just know the places you can go to get away from the crowds and uh, the time I'm not going to go ask down. you
0: to divulge any of these
1: places. <laughs> Don't
0: share your secrets. <laughs> We won't steal the secrets uh,
1: here. Yeah, I got to write a book for that one, I think. <laughs> but, you know, it's the same same as beachcombing, you know, because beachcombing is like such a private affair and... Uh... You know, you don't it's like fishing places or your best favorite place. You don't share them too easily. <laughs> yeah, you don't want them
0: overrun with a million other people with their tiny kids, particularly tiny kids, because tiny kids can be loud. What kind of things did you and Jen get up to with your kids? Like when, when they were sort of growing up there, did they like surfing? Do they like swimming, kayaking, those kinds of things? Uh, forest exploring as well as lots of beautiful forest around where you are too?
1: Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, and that, that was really important for us to uh, kind of draw the line there and define what We were going to be able to offer the kids. The the law, this big struggle in Tofino is taking your kids to go skating or taking them to, a, you know, a big pool uh, where if they want to do competitive swimming or, uh, you know, a lot of those facility based uh, opportunities are not here. And uh, I, I we weren't going to do that either. You know, a lot of I see so many parents, they drive their kids into Port Alberni, you know, in the middle of the night, a few times a week in the wintertime to take them play hockey, you know, and it was Whoa. like, oh, I couldn't Oh, that sounds
0: it. awful. <laughs> it's a horrible <laughs> yeah. drive. That's in, a like, big dark- drive. <laughs> (laughs) So windy Dark
1: winter mountain road Uh, Yeah, really tough gig And so many parents did that But um, uh, we just didn't have it in us And we, we, so we kind of set those boundaries But that helped define, you know, what we were going to to do and support and so of course surfing got them all wetsuits like as immediately you could find the (laughs) smallest wetsuits secondhand wetsuits
0: In just absolutely
1: yeah (laughs) like one big glove or something really you know they just get in there but uh that was great but you can get it all secondhand you know it's you know you're not spending big money at all or give giveaways and beachcombing and you know like we did that a lot together just uh, walking on the beaches and they you know they all had they all had their little uh, one piece of uh, basically rain suits you know that where you could wear them year-round and as soon as you went to the beach it's like put them in that because immediately you know they're going to get wet and freaking sandy so <laughs> it's just like if there was a wet spot in the sand they were going to find it
2: i do picture like moving to tofino part of you with young children of those ages part of you must have to accept like our house is just going to be sandy a lot of the time. And like, you just have to kind of embrace the fact that like, no matter how much you vacuum with three small children, you're just going to find sand year round. Like, it's just kind of right. Like you're going to the beach every day. There's just going to be sand every day in the house.
1: Jen, that is, Jesus just brought such a strong memory back for me. And I totally forgotten that. Absolutely. I called it sand <laughs> management. It a, like <laughs> management. It was a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I I would love to ask you about beachcombing in a second, but I guess something else I'm curious about first, a lot of the people who, who listen into our podcast and a lot of our friends have kids who are little. Um, and so we're kind of doing all these things at the moment. Making like a big wish, like I I wish for you to love the outdoors and to be a good citizen of this planet. And I, I wish that this is going to end out this way, but I don't really know. So, I'd love to get your perspective on how your kids, you know, growing up in that very outdoor-y, outdoorsy sort of way and spending heaps of time out in the beach and in nature and in the forest – how has that affected them now that they're grown ups and they're adults? And what do you see about that kind of upbringing that is impacting the kind of the people they are? Ideally, we want to hear that this is the right thing to do. Yeah. But did I'm it not work, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to know if it's worth it, Pete. Okay, <laughs> well, look, will it work? <laughs> and can you guarantee it?
1: <laughs> first, let me say first thing to clarify: No, we did uh, the kids all did. um We're involved in organized sports here. But it was the stuff that was available, mostly soccer, floor hockey, inside floor hockey, and um H- Haley actually, our daughter did um, if you, this is so funny, synchronized swimming. And the only <laughs> pool in, in Tefino wow. was the six feet de- deep at the deepest spot. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> they were like the uh the Jamaican bobsled team when they went to the synchronized <laughs> swimming competitions around BC because everybody just says, Oh, you pour- kids from Tofino and they were great they had a really professional uh coach who was just you know it's like such a blessing for a little town that it's like um, such a
0: niche you know, sport that's so such it, a niche right
1: sport. out of the blue and it was only because you know this uh, young woman who had trained herself and she was living in Tofino and she was a coach and she wanted to give back to the community so it was like it was so wonderful so no those were fun and it was important it was fun and and I you know I coached baseball and coach soccer and so it was fun for me um and you know it was a you know it was a nice part being nice being part of the community meet a lot of families and uh trying to think of what what else you were saying there now asking will it it work
0: will it work if we raise outdoorsy little kids will they be awesome adults of course
1: absolutely absolutely it works and uh that, I, you know, you, you rem- again, reminded me of, of um, you know, those years when I was thinking about it and Jen and I were thinking about it and I was like, you know, is this stuff, does it going to matter, make any difference to these? Will they remember anything, you know, like all the stuff you're talking to them about and, and you know, trying to instill and it's like, you know, they're not even there. They're just uh, paying attention to whatever, you know. Oh, my gosh. It comes back at you time and time and time again and and it's so cool just the, even some of the smallest memories activities you did you just think you know this is just they'll will never come back and it's like oh i remember that it was such a great time and i learned this or you know a certain person these people even some of the people they meet you know once or twice it's a, it is amazing
0: Oh, so cool.
1: uh, don't be shy there at all. Follow your instincts for sure. And uh, it, it, it was really, that was really a take home message, uh, you know, for, for us, um, you know, over the years now and, and continues to be when you, you know, you're talking about little, uh, you know, experiences that we did together. It might even been a day, you know, or a place, or, you know, and it's like, or one person and oh, I have such a strong memory of that, you know, and it's influenced them in all all un- so many unknown ways you
0: know yeah you said one of your sons is a uh, um, is working out at a lodge at the moment right like so he's spending mm-hmm. a lot of time out in the water fishing and and working with guests and that kind of thing right sharing i'm i'm hoping his love of that coast and and the area maybe yep. not giving away his, <laughs> any secret spots though right <laughs> definitely not <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, now, yeah. we sh-
0: we
2: have to get into though the beachcombing so Again, if you're meeting Pete or listening to Pete for the first time, Pete Clarkson is like, I mean, let's be honest, a famous artist. A celebrity. Well he's, he's a really a, big deal. A very
0: celebrity. He's been in documentaries. Uh, celebrity. He's in film festivals. There was a whole film uh, festival. Uh, Do you remember uh, we went uh, to a uh, premiere uh, for a film about uh, Pete? Yeah. Pete?
2: Like, And it's all about this amazing art uh, that Pete makes himself. And it's all from the pieces you find on the beach through beachcombing. So give us for anybody listening in who maybe is like, what is beachcombing? What does that mean? Uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about beachcombing and how... How you got started with that, and then we'll get into the art piece kind of next.
1: What can I say? I have had an, an amazingly privileged run here uh, in Tofino, and, and one of my dreams when we came here, and one of the goals I set for myself was that I wanted to find a creative outlet for myself. I didn't have that in Jasper, and that, that was probably again like one of the things you know in my life. It was like, well, it's perfect, but not quite perfect. So, you know, when we moved, I, as as anyone, all of us that have moved, uh, you know, know, you know, that's the time when you can kind of reinvent yourself a bit. You know, you have a bit of motivation and a bit of nobody knows who you are, so you're not constrained by, you know, other people's perspectives of, of you. And uh, so, there was a bit of a freedom and an opportunity there. And um, that was a goal for me. And I, and I said it when it came that I wanted to find a creative outlet. And I had a 15-year plan. Seems so funny now. <laughs> But, uh, 15, I had a 15 years. Year you year plan really set out
0: a 15 year plan. That I was
1: 15 year plan when I got here that I was going to find and become, you know. Good at a, a creative outlet. Why good fifteen by, I mean, you know, something, years? Something.
0: I can't even think fifteen well, be- minutes into the future.
1: <laughs> it years. I'm surprised. <laughs> You're a goal setter, Kate. So I'm surprised. <laughs> That's the long, long term goal setting. You know, there's the mid, there's the short, and then there's. I love the it. Long. I love
0: it. So yes, how did it, it? Sounds like you like- achieved it though. So. <laughs> Yeah, you did. Well done. Yeah, Check I gave myself done.
1: a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> so how did it get started, though? Were you just were
2: you just out one day on the beach and you came across some like cool, you know, plastic wash up or some cool stuff? Like how did how did beachcombing become the thing?
1: It was innate. Uh, it was innate uh, thing. And I had done, uh, you know, growing up uh, out in eastern Canada, we used to go to the uh, Bay of Fundy. And um, my mom was really a great beachcomber. It still is still alive. Ninety three. Uh great beachcomber and she and I we had that same passion and beachcombing you know it's kind of like going to a thrift shop or antique hunting really it's not that much different you know I think in terms of like the chemical endorphins and the rush you get and and the excitement of the hunt and all that stuff it's sort of the same and it's a, you know it's a good big thrift shop out there I was into it it was a great way to explore when I first came here that was just a natural outfit and, and you know trails in Tofino are limited so the beach is you know, the, the places where you walk and there's always the tides are changing every every day. So there's always new things coming and going. And um, it was easy to, excuse to go for a walk and uh, keep my eye open for stuff. But I got to tell you, what, you know, one of the first observations, you know, for me here was the amount of debris that was along the shoreline in the national park. And um, that blew me away because coming from Jasper, you know, a candy wrapper on the trail was like, who put that there? And here was like uh, this unbelievable amount of stuff, uh, plastic and, and uh, paraphernalia and stuff. Up and down the shore, and and you know the more remote that you went into the park, the more stuff that you found. So it was this kind of crazy dichotomy.
0: I think it's so interesting, Pete. So when you and I started working together on these remote cleanups in 2014, it was people were starting to hear about this sort of plastic in the ocean, but it wasn't. I think there's been such a huge shift in the last eight years. So many, everybody now knows this stuff. Everybody knows that plastic in the ocean is a thing. But in 2014, when we were showing people photos, and maybe it was people would still be blown away by this. But photos of the things that are washing up and the sheer quantity of stuff that washes up on the West Coast in BC and all the way down the States and particularly in Alaska, people were just like, what are you even talking about? How is this a thing? How is this happening? And I think a lot of people, maybe even when they're listening, they're like, maybe they're thinking it's coming from hikers or beachgoers on the, but it's not, it's washing in from the ocean, which means that we're finding things on these coastlines from all around the world because the world is really just one big ocean. When you think of that, I mean, it's it's firstly, it's an environmental crisis. It's a horrible situation from that perspective. But what I love about what you can do with your art is you're turning something that is negative, unsightly, unpleasant, dangerous to wildlife and animals And you're finding some way to make it fun and approachable and colourful. And the message is there, but it's approachable now, you know. And particularly for kids, my kids and I were out in Tofino a few weeks ago and we stopped by Pete's workshop and my kids were fascinated by everything they saw in there. But I love how you've been able to do that. Um, Maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of your favourite pieces you find on the beach and how you kind of let them teach you about what what they were going to be, what art pieces they're going to become.
1: Well, I think we're going to need a second podcast for that. (laughs) Sum up your artistic
0: process in like one answer.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It was so fun to Interact with your, your family or, and, and that is such a, that's such a constant. It's like, a, 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 I love. It having people over and kids that, you know to, to kind of go, go through all the collection of material i got because it, it is really fascinating to see that you know you just never know where those things are going to lead in discussions and it is cool and I, i'm i'm super blessed that kind of found that as an outlet for myself i i i have to say i mean i got to be honest i mean the the driver for me um in this story and, and you right about uh, marine debris and plastic and stuff like so when i arrived here when we arrived here it was like you know late to 1990s and all this stuff was around the park nobody was talking about it um people were beachcombing and and there was no talk about plastic in the ocean no talk about cleanups since doing anything like that and the first one we did you know we organized and then you know it wasn't until 2014 that we had the first really big organized cleanup in the park with you and and the great canadian shoreline cleanup so that was a a huge gap in that period of time where uh, public awareness um Grew and grew and grew and, and things. So, and I was right in the, at the cusp of that. Um, again, another sort of this fortunate positioning because by the time that increased awareness was there, you know, I had, had a pretty well established art uh, outlet. And, uh, so I, I, you know, people and media and, and things like that were coming, institutions and stuff, government even were coming to me to, uh, help interpret the the issue and to, mm. by using my art for just the same way you were talking about that it was um you know i had a bit of hope into it it was not targeting or making people feel guilty but it was engaging them and and <laughs> and you know emotionally particularly so
0: yeah like and, and a lot of humor too right like you've got the one of, yeah, of donald humor. trump trump's oh, yeah. face and yeah. i tell you what
1: <laughs> twitler <laughs> <laughs> twitler
0: We'll drop in some links. Uh, yeah. We'll get you to share those in a sec too, Peter, where yeah. people can find yeah. find out more about this. For people who are going somewhere like Tofino um, or that or basically anywhere on a coastline, anywhere in the world, what are your tips for how to go beachcombing? Like how do you get started and mm. where are the best places to look? Don't give away your secret spots. No one's asking for that. But <laughs> if you've got kids, like what what kind of things can you expect to be seeing out there and, and where mm-hmm. should, how do you get started?
1: Yeah, No. well, that, that's... Uh... It's it's a bit different now, I gotta say, that it's really changed in the last few years. So the more um generally accessible areas are are cleaned up pretty readily by people, uh hiking the beach tourists and, and locals and things like that, and, and then organized cleanups, you know, like out here surfrider does a weekly cleanup on beaches. So It is harder to find a lot of stuff other than the smaller debris, (laughs) which is good. It's a good problem to have. It is a good (laughs)
2: problem. Pete's
1: art art source
2: is going down, though.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, unfortunately, it's not. It's just I've learned <laughs> where to go.
2: Yeah. And let's say you have kids on a regular beach. Doesn't matter the cleanup yeah. state. What yeah. would you kind of advise families to keep an eye out for that could kind of become a cool take home or a cool message yeah. they could learn about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you got to go kind of find where the stuff is. And usually, it's not right by the water's edge. It's usually back up in the you know the back shore and in the logs and things like that. So, like, uh, the first thing I did when my kids could barely walk was get them out on the beach, walking on the logs, you know, and and getting used to walking on logs. It was like, oh, I can't leave them alone. And this is the most dangerous thing I do. So I'm going to get them practice on this. So it becomes second nature. So that walking on logs and kind of poking around the logs, that's kind of one of the first tricks anyways. Uh, the time of year is, you know, if you can come in March and, and April and May, that's actually the best time, which, you know, is kind of cheap, cheaper to come out a place like Tofino anyways. So it's a good, good thing to remember. And it's definitely the beach combing is, uh, you know, a thousand times better than um, every day, you know, stuff is coming in all the time. So you can go back and forth to the same places and and every day will be different for what you might find, you know, kind of I, like I am, I am an interpreter. I'm curious. So uh, the things I would find, I would look at it and we'd look at it together and we would talk about it. And, uh, you know, there's it's amazing when you look at something in detail, you can see evidence of, you know, maybe fish bite marks or a bird pecking or a bear chewing on it or uh, you know kind of different things growing on it or uh, how it's worn and weathered by the the wave and the wind action and the sunlight you can all those things are quite obvious if you look at detail and, and th- that spurs its own discussion about you know the environment and um, the ocean and the, the magic of connecting you know people uh, you know through these uh, objects each object it, almost in its own way is like a message in a bottle if you know enough about it. Where is it from? You know, how long has it been there? What is it used for? I, I love all those questions. And, um, you know, I've got enough history now that I have a lot of uh, information that I can share. And But it's out there. It's just natural curiosity and, and and you know, inspiring your kids to think about it and and letting those conversations lead themselves, you know.
0: Yeah. I think it's so interesting when you get into the beachcombing world, all these different objects that are found on lots of different places. And as somebody who studied physical oceanography and the currents of the ocean, you can learn a lot about the currents of the ocean based on where, you know, container spills of rubber duckies mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. shoes or hockey gloves mm-hmm. and where they all washed up. And there's lots of really cool books out there about those kind of things, but they've traced some of that stuff and they've kind of taken it out to see like where does this actually end up where does it go um so i think there's there's so many cool things about it and what I think is really awesome about what you're saying Pete too is that objects and we're talking here not about like objects that should be on the beach like um, animals or dead animals or you know organic material that's washing up but we're talking about garbage or what could be seen as garbage items as well as things that can be you know reused and repurposed. but you know there's such a connection around the world to people. and so we saw that in Canada after the tsunami in Japan washed away a lot of people's personal items. they were not garbage. they were personal items lost in a tragedy. Many people died and they came to our shores. And so, I think what we've seen through a lot of your travels too and your work is those connections between Canada and Japan and Haida Gwaii and Alaska and you're just in mm-hmm. Korea and you're going to go to Egypt soon. Um, mm-hmm. you an international man of uh, <laughs> fame and fortune now, this Pete. And uh, you know, I think I think that's so cool that you can live in this, you know, tiny remote town at the end of the road. Um, and you said you like it because of its small town feel, and you chose to mm-hmm. raise your kids in this sort of small community, but it's so connected to the rest of the world by that that oceanfront connection with all those things washing in there. So I think I think that's really cool. Thinking about that, we we always like to hear about when things go wrong. Um, I'm sure there's been some times. Can you cast your back mind back, Pete, when you think about raising your kids in Tofino? What did what were some stories that stuck out where you were sort of taking your kids out and about and it went it went badly wrong and you learned a, an important lesson maybe for
1: us? The worst one for me, for sure, uh, involved a few kids, so that was first problem, <laughs> number one. But uh,
0: as in not I even was, your um, kids?
1: Yes, yes, mine <laughs> and more. It was usually the way things went. I loved taking, I had a big suburban so I could, it was like the family bus, you know, so I could always pack a bunch of the kids in and we would go poking around and uh, that's what we were doing this day. And, um, they all had the wetsuits on them, so I can't remember this, the backstory, but we were probably out either swimming at the lake or, or uh, body surfing, you know. And um, on the way back was later in the day and uh, a Sunday later in the day. And there was this little, a little site, a little rocky islet uh, just off the, sh- the coast of, of the shore of Wiccaninish um interpretive center at the the end of Long Beach there. And it's like just a stone's throw. It's so close, this little islet. And there was an active uh, oyster catcher nest there that I had been studying and monitoring and they had eggs in it. And I was doing this little study at the time to determine, you know, how old the eggs were. And um, I thought, Oh, this is going to be so awesome. I'll take the kids all out to that Island and they can see the oyster catcher nests and the eggs. And, you know, I can talk to them about, you know, the whole eco- ecology there. And and um, it'll be super cool because we had to swim this little gap. I mean, we're talking, you know, 50 feet gap uh, from the beach to the Island and they all had their wetsuits. So I was like, ah, perfect. We can just do that. We're all kitted up and, so me and the five kids who walked down there, it's, you know, 4.35, getting later, people are leaving the beach. And uh, it was a pretty frigging big swell coming in. And um, I i did not appreciate the strength of the rip current that was coming around that little island. It was like, uh, you know, that's where the rip currents are the strongest. And I was not uh, in the know as much as I should have been. And uh so kitted all the kids up. We walked out to the edge of the the sand. And then, you know, then we had to jump into the water and swim across this little channel to the islet. And we friggin jumped into the water and it was like jumping into this river and the kids were going, (laughs) (laughs) and they're, they are headed out to sea. And uh, (laughs) and I'm just, I was the last in and it was like, Oh my God, I got to round them up. And, uh, I'm yelling that I had my two kids who I knew the best and I trusted the most for their swimming ability and and, uh, following directions. And so they were heading out and they're looking at me and going, you got to swim hard, swim hard, swim hard, swim hard, you know, and at this angle to the island, go, go, go. (laughs) So they did, and they they pulled it off and got out of there, and everybody's white, you know, and I'm white, and, and uh, their other kids followed, so it all worked out. They got over there, but except for one young guy, and he, as he's being carried out, he's kind of turtling up, you know, he was just not able to help himself, and then some, he felt some kelp on his feet, and he freaked out about the kelp on his feet, and he thought there was something grabbing him. <laughs> he totally stopped moving, and he's just going out to sea. <laughs> And uh, I jumped in and I swam hard, hard, hard. And he was like going out. He was starting to get into the big waves. And I oh grabbed them gosh, and I was able to- was <laughs> a terrible to story.
0: Back. I was not oh, expecting
1: boy.
2: this paper. No, they all, they, they all lived, right? Everyone's alive and well at this they
1: point. All, the well, parents that was know. It. We got to the island. Now we're all on the island. We still don't even
2: <laughs> So everyone still had to it do the reverse bad. on the way back yeah.
1: too. They may still be out there, Jen. I don't know. <laughs> uh.
2: Did you do
1: a head count, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. I didn't have a radio. It was like actually getting to be dusk at that point, and like the beach is abandoned, and nobody knew where we were. I mean, I broke every rule in the book. Wow. Uh, so it was Oof. lucky we, uh, you know, regrouped, che- checked out the nest. That was that was a win. <laughs> But uh, we regrouped, and then um, you know, then we talked about it. We had a long hard discussion about <laughs> how we were going to approach the problem of getting back home. And, everyone, and uh, just
0: to clarify, everyone got home. Right, they did. Yes, we, just need he- we need to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Did you get some? Did you get some stern phone calls later from the parents of the other <laughs> oh,
2: children? The what oh. were you <laughs> doing?
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> I can just
2: imagine. Like, ah, Pete, my child has just oh. come home telling me he almost drowned under your supervision
1: today. <laughs> I don't know. I never heard anything back, so I don't think any of the kids ever said anything about it. It was like, just oh, they—they well,
2: they know now. Pete, the cat is out of the bag. <laughs> they
1: know now. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, I yeah, mean, that was fun. And on that it?
0: okay, I was not expecting that. Um, uh, we always yeah. ask our guests about this, and and you know, sometimes they're like, oh, my kid went out without their raincoat and they got a little bit wet, or nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's our, maybe our best flash worst thing. one yet. Or the, there was <laughs> a story of where um, a bunch of geese got electrocuted and fell fell from the sky in front of a bunch of kindergartners that uh, one of oh, our guests geez. was taking and they just fell straight out of the sky right in front like a hundred dead geese <laughs> and the kids were <laughs> and they are all electrocuted and frying and it smelled like anyway that was oh. another story we'll, we'll drop oh, the link into good. that episode because uh, that was pretty that was bad a good one
1: uh, <laughs> so good. on that
2: note where can people find uh, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about your art and kind of uh, yeah learn yeah. see some of the pieces they've done where's the best way to connect with you online
1: yeah no I've got a website Pete Clarkson Dot com and uh, that's the easiest thing it's got th- you can reach out to me on email there but um I do have Instagram but I don't honestly, I don't post very much I'm just pretty lazy about it all um, except about this I,
2: podcast you'll post right you post yeah so <laughs> <about you>. oh, <laughs> <good> the <thing. laughs>
1: That <laughs> kind of pressure is really hard on me. Yeah, so that's probably the easiest, and certainly if you're coming out to Tofino, I love meeting folks, and and uh, happy to you know show them around the, my studio or or the collection of material.
0: And having been there with my kids recently, it is absolutely worth the visit and jen you've been there too with me oh it is so cool it's awesome definitely a cool place yeah Yeah. um thank you so much for being here with us pete it's been really fun i'm going to take a little while to process what you just told me about the kids swimming in the rips and remind everybody how important it is to be careful out in tofino if you're out there because the ocean can be wild and (laughs) unpredictable
1: But uh,
0: it's, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being with us um, on the show, Pete. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing more of your art popping up around Tofino. Every time I'm out there, there's another new art piece that you've done installed in, in the town. Um, so we'll make sure we drop in the links for everybody to to check out those pieces too, if they're over there. So thanks so much for being here, Pete.
1: Thank you guys, a million. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun and um, I'm, I hope folks um, enjoyed that too.
2: If you've enjoyed this episode today, make sure you follow us over on Instagram at get outside with kids. And of course, we'd love your feedback. We'd love to have your reviews on Spotify or Apple or wherever listen to podcasts. Please leave us a review and drop those five stars and help us be more easily discovered by other amazing parents who are looking to get outside with their kids.